Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. How does Revelation apply to, say, our average Wednesday? Well, there are still battles to fight, and we still wield weapons. What are those? You're listening to Holy War by Reverend Peter Yonker. Our Bible reading tonight is from the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 11. I'll be reading verses 15 through 19. And although I am, I'm reading just a little bit of Revelation, this sermon, as you will soon hear, is going to sprawl. I, I really want to focus especially on the middle of Revelation, which goes all the way from uh, Revelation 6, or maybe you'd say even 5, all the way through 20. So that's much too long to read, obviously. Um, but this passage will be a way for us to talk about the whole and to have that sense of how it fits into our lives. What I'm going to read tonight the bit that I will read is uh, one of the trumpets that is blown as part of the judgment, and you will hear a strong expression of Christ's lordship over history and his power to make things right in the end. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces, worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servant, the prophets, your people who revere your name both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant, and there came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe, a severe hailstorm. This is the word of the Lord. Allow me to um, begin tonight by letting you into a typical Wednesday in my life. Just a typical Wednesday. And I let you into a typical Wednesday in my life, not because my Wednesdays are remarkable. I let you into them for the opposite reason. I want to let you in because they're so absolutely ordinary. So, for example, this Wednesday, got up early in the morning, and first thing I have to do every morning is, of course, feed the dog and take the dog out and give Peggy a walk. When the walk was done, I do a light workout, take my shower, put my clothes on, go upstairs for my breakfast, a little toast. My dear wife fries me an egg, I eat that. Not one, but two cups of coffee to get the brain going. And then it's off to work, and work starts with devotions, then opening the email, answering some email, doing some correspondence, getting some things down, plotting out my day, this Wednesday, I did a hospital visit. When I came back from that, a couple hours of sermon writing, lunch. Then I met with a prayer group. It's a great group of people who pray every other Wednesday. We prayed for an hour. Then back, did some more sermon writing. Prepared for the Thursday night new members class. Answered a few more emails. And that was, that was the day at work. Time to go home, although didn't go straight home. Went to my in-laws condo. They passed away, as you know, and we're trying to clean it out, have to be cleaned out by the end of the month, spend a little time there trying to get the job done, 
Linda and I went out to the brass ring after that for a nice meal, came home, spent an hour relaxing, was in bed before 9.30. Well, congratulations for sticking with that. Pretty ordinary day, and a pretty ordinary Wednesday, and, and, and I leave that out to you because I think it probably is, is like your ordinary Wednesdays. That day, my Wednesday, is probably like yours. Not exactly, of course, but like yours in the sense that there's nothing spectacular happening. Just ordinary duties that we get through one after another, after another, day after day after day. And it may seem ordinary, but most of us, we kind of like it. That's our life. Here's what none of us here saw in our ordinary Wednesdays. There were no dragons. There were no beasts coming out of the sea with seven heads and ten horns. There were no angels unsealing scrolls. There were no horsemen bringing wrath upon the earth. There were no bowls of wrath poured out upon the earth. None of that in my Wednesday. My guess is none of that in yours either. Which is precisely why the book of Revelation, especially in the middle, is so hard for us to deal with and understand. It's engaging. You read it and it's compelling. The imagery is arresting. But how do we understand it? How do any of this stuff in the middle of Revelation, what does it have to do with my ordinary Wednesday, which is so mundane and so plain, and with your ordinary Wednesday, which is so ordinary and so mundane? My goal tonight is really quite simple, to get a whirlwind tour of the book of Revelation and to show you as best I can what it has to do with your ordinary Wednesdays. The middle part of Revelation, and this goes from Revelation 6 through Revelation 20, is constructed, maybe you know this, around three sets of sevens. First, there are seven seals, then there are seven trumpets, and then there are seven bowls. At the beginning of this whole section, the scrolls come out, and one of the angels breaks the scroll on the seal of history, and the seven scrolls are unsealed. And the first four of the seven scrolls, I'm going to run through all these sevens just quickly for you so you get a sense of it, so stick with me here. The first four scrolls, the seals are broken, and it's the four horsemen of the apocalypse, each bringing destruction in a different way. Persecu persecution, war, famine, and death. The fifth seal is broken and it reveals more persecution. And we get the image of thousands of Christians struggling with persecution and crying out, how long, O Lord? The sixth seal is broken and it darkens the sun and it is so scary for people that they run to the hills and hide themselves. And then the seventh seal is broken, and after all that, you sort of think, okay, we know that seven is the number of completion, that must be it, but no. When the seventh seal is broken, it launches you into a whole new series of sevens, the seven trumpets. The first trumpet brings hail and fire upon the earth so that a third of the earth is destroyed. The second trumpet causes the sea to turn to blood, with the result that one-third of all the creatures in the sea die. The third trumpet causes the rivers and the streams of the world to turn to poison. The fourth trumpet strikes down a third of the heavenly bodies, 
third of the stars fall from the sky. The fifth trumpet brings on a storm of locusts, only these are not ordinary locusts, these are locusts on steroids. They have iron breastplates and tails like scorpions. The sixth trumpet unleashes a demonic army of 200 million horses and riders who slaughter fully one-third of humanity. And finally, after all that death and destruction, the seventh trumpet sounds, that's what we read, and you get that vision of heaven opened up and the lordship of God over history, and you think, okay, this is it, the judgment has come, but no, the seventh trumpet launches you into yet another series of sevens, this time the seven bowls. The first bowl is poured out on the earth and causes boils and sores to appear over all people. The second bowl turns the sea to blood again, only this time all the sea creatures die. The third bowl makes all the rivers and streams turn to blood. The fourth bowl causes the sun to scorch the earth. The fifth bowl plunges the earth into a darkness so deep that it says people start to gnaw on their own tongues. The sixth bowl reveals three demonic spirits who plague the earth and they come in the form of frogs. And then finally, the seventh bowl, when it is poured out, the whole earth shakes, cities and nations are smashed into pieces. And finally, finally, the angel says, it is done. Now, those three sets of sevens aren't all that you find in the middle of Revelation. There are some other things too. There's the two witnesses who are martyred for testifying about the lordship of Christ. We hear about a woman who gives birth to a child, who's chased by a dragon. There's a few other things. But those seven sets of destruction and judgment form the main spine of that whole section. Okay, there it is. Thank you for sticking with me. What does it all mean? Well, it's too much to explain the whole thing, so I'm going to stick to the trumpets. And if you want to understand what the trumpets mean, and this is a good interpretive principle for any part of Revelation, take the imagery and go back to the Old Testament and say, what in the Old Testament can tell me about these images? Where in the Old Testament can I see these things, and what in the Old Testament can give me clues about what they might been, mean? So the trumpets, if you look at trumpets in the Old Testament, what do trumpets convey? How do they function in the Old Testament? There are a couple ways. First, trumpets are a wake-up call. For people who are complacent, trumpets are blown to wake them up from their stupor and get them ready. And you see that in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, right? We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a flash and a twinkling of the eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised. The, dead, the, the trumpet wakes us from our sleep and makes us ready for judgment. So sometimes trumpets awake sleepers and get us ready. There's a second way in which trumpets function in the Old Testament. Often the trumpet is a call to battle. So in Hosea and Joel and Amos, the prophets sound the trumpets to warn Israel that an army of destruction is coming. Or in the book of Judges, in the story of Gideon, right? Before Gideon takes on the Midianites, what does he do? He blows the trumpets and smashes the jars. And even more famously, 
In the story of Joshua, what do the trumpets convey? They convey the power of God as he is about to engage his enemies. They walk around Jericho and blow the trumpets before the walls come tumbling down. So trumpets wake from complacency and get God's people ready to fight the battle. And when you realize that, you begin to see what those seven trumpets are calling for us to do and to be in our, old, our ordinary Wednesdays. They are saying to us, come on people, there is a battle, get ready. It's time to take on the forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Put on the armor of God and get ready to stand up. Now what is this battle that we're engaged with and what are the weapons that we fight with? In the past, when we've talked about the book of Revelation here, you know that most of the churches in the book of Revelation, they were facing persecution. So the main enemy when they're called to fight is the enemy of Rome, which has come to persecute them. A persecution was not the only enemy faced by the people to whom Revelation was addressed. If you go back to chapters two and four and you look at the letters to the five churches, or seven churches, five of the churches face persecution. You read the letters, five of the churches face persecution. But two of the churches face a different enemy, the enemy of complacency. Sardis, here's what John says to Sardis, or Jesus says to Sardis through John. Wake up. You think you are alive, but you are really dead. Obey and repent. And if you do not wake up, I will come upon you like a thief in the night. And then, of course, Laodicea. Laodicea was the wealthy church. And Jesus says to them, you are lukewarm, and because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Complacency. So the two enemies faced by those churches in Revelation, persecution, complacency. Of those two enemies, which is most applicable to our modern situation? What do you face on your ordinary Wednesday, the enemy of persecution or the enemy of complacency. Now, despite the shrill warnings of some in our society today about persecution, and who knows what the future holds, in my ordinary Wednesday, complacency is a much more strong enemy. In my comfortable, plain, well-appointed Wednesday, even though it's full of hard work, complacency is the enemy that is crouching at my door. My Wednesday doesn't feel like a battle. It just feels like a regular day. And maybe yours does too. And so when you're reading through Revelation and you're going through those seven trumpets, those trumpets are calling you to attention, waking you up out of your complacency, calling for you to get ready for the battle, to fight the powers of evil that are all around you, even on your ordinary Wednesday. What are the weapons that you bring in this struggle? I chose the title Holy War for this sermon, and I did so with some trepidation. That's a provocative title, because it makes it sound like this is a crusade where we carry swords. And if you read the book of Revelation, there's lots of swords in Revelation, there's lots of violence, there's tons of blood. In Revelation, there are lots of God's enemy 
being put to death, being put to the sword, being put to an end in the book of Revelation. But here's my question to you. Of all the bloodshed, of all the enemies being put an end to in the book of Revelation, how many of them are put together by people of the church? How much of the justice and the vengeance and the destruction is wrought by church people? How much of that part of the, of the battle is fought by people like us? Here's the answer. Zero. None of it. All the bowls poured out by God's angels. All the judgment done by God himself. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, not ours. The book of Revelation, despite its violence, which is off-putting for some people, confirms that. Well, then what is our part in the battle? What do the people do in the book of Revelation? If we're supposed to engage the enemy, what are we called to do in this book? Well, here's what you see people doing in Revelation. Praying. Revelation 6. How long, O Lord, until you judge and bring your final justice? You see them proclaiming the Lordship of God. Revelation 11. The two witnesses proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. The church worships like we are doing now. Stands in the middle of cities, stands in the middle of peoples, and proclaims that Jesus is Lord, and the church perseveres. It prays, it praises, it perseveres, it worships. That's our fight. Put it all together and you see that the weapons of this war are faith, hope, love, and grace. When the trumpets sound, those are the things we pick up. And even if your Wednesdays are ordinary like mine, if those are your weapons and that's the battle, there are lots of places where the battle's engaged. You're a caregiver, and you've been caring for the person you love for years now, and you're trying to help, and your caregiver is stubborn, the person you're caring for is stubborn, and will, wants to do it himself, and can't do it himself, and won't let you help, and you feel your impatience rise, the trumpets are sounding. The battle is engaged. You hear some criticism at work and you start to go into a downward spiral of self-doubt and self-criticism. The trumpets are sounding. The battle is engaged. You're at the mall in the fancy department store and you're at the shoe place or at the, sh the shirt rack and you see a shirt and you think, well, that would look really good on me. You know, you've got a million shirts. You don't need that shirt. The trumpets are sounding. The battle is engaged. Or this. When I first came to the grave, when I started here in this church and I would come in, I was struck by the neighborhood. I would see all the people in the neighborhood, all our neighbors who were struggling, dealing with mental illness, dealing with poverty. It was very evident to me. I would see people sleeping in their cars and it would cut me to the heart. Well, I've been here eight years now. And guess what? I'm getting used to it. I can walk and I see them, but I don't really see them. Trumpets are sounding. The battle is engaged. Wednesday is coming, people. And so are all your other ordinary days. 
each one of them full of unique challenges, and in each one of them the trumpet is sounding, go forth with the, with the weapons of faith, hope, and love, and know that the battle belongs to your Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that um, you have the power to judge the world and you have the intention to judge the world and that you will set things right in the end and that your power is working in this world even when it seems to us sometimes when things are going round in circles. Thank you that here in this place we can read books like the book of Revelation and know that you are Lord of this world. And I pray that that may give us the courage to go out and fight the good fight ourselves in all our ordinary places. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.